Welcome to the next installment of the SUSD's podcast series where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications that are relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and as always, let's say hello and welcome to our co-host and uh, Mr. Gene Robinson. Hello, Gene. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and uh, yes, what else? Uh, I was wondering what you were going to finish with there. Hello. Guys. I was going to say uh, God's good buddy, <laughs> you know, but then I, I didn't, I didn't want to put you on spot. You know? uh, okay, I was waiting. Uh, you know, I didn't know how the other shoe was going to drop on that one, so you had me kind of on the edge. I know. Well, you know, like I said, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to start making assumptions, you know, but I figure with the charmed life and the quality of chainsaw bears that you are. You have to be yeah. friends with the good guy upstairs. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, the charmed life of uh, Mr. Gene Robinson. So uh, I want to roll right into this one, the news deal. So did you see that uh, missing hiker? You might have seen this story. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But there was a missing hiker. She's been missing for six months. She's been uh, dining on uh, moss and grass and drinking from the river, which is, I mean, it's a miracle already. But she's been missing for six months, Gene, and lo and behold, they, they launch the drone and they find this woman. Did, did you see that story? Pretty amazing stuff, huh? Yeah, that's why you will never catch me saying never. Oh, wait. Never. Anyway, well, I, I don't. As I, the, I, I, <laughs> well, as the story goes, though, I don't think they really found her with the drone from what I heard. But it was a secondhand because I didn't, you know, research this. But the drone crashed near the tent. <laughs> and they had to go get it. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, you have people, oh, what kind of sensor do you have on that drone? Who are you going to, you know? And then uh, they went over there and found her. Just the whole thing, you know, it's like irony, you know. But um, it's kind of, you know, I guess it worked out. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, again, that, that kind of highlights you never know what's going to drive people off the grid and, you know, to what extent they're willing to go. Because I understand she was, you know, a well-educated lady and and uh, just decided, you know what, uh, I'm done. I have that same feeling. I live in the city and I'm like, I, you know, it just <laughs> I, maybe I'm old-fashioned, man, but, you know, you don't touch other people's stuff. You know, you ask for permission. You don't, you know get on people's property and stuff. I don't know. I, I, uh, it's weird. So I think it's time to head for the hills as the Iron Maiden song so aptly puts it. Um, or something. I don't know. The city living is not doing it for me. That and the, uh, the expensive city here in California, these cities are, it's getting outrageous. You gotta have three jobs just to pay all the taxes. Well, you know, you just need to pack up and come join the rest of your brethren here in Austin. Well, that's what I keep saying. There's too many Californians. Those people are nuts. I think I'm coming to Texas following those nuts around. I'm just, look, give in to Gavin what is Gavin's. That's my motto, and uh, I'm sticking to it. Now, I like Texas. I just, uh, you know, by the time I get there, it'll be wrecked by these crazy Californians. It's crazy totally crazy but um so what else have you been up to besides uh you know dealing with uh crazy californians well you know did did you see where the world's largest air force is now um kind of been started no i missed it where i 
the kid here. I'm busy. What happened? Where's the biggest air force? Uh, Don't tell no, me it's the Iranians. No, no, no. Uh, you know the drone responders guys. You know out there on the the the, the right coast, and uh, Air T and and uh, those folks. They have uh, put together uh, an Esri sort of application where you can sign up if you're a first responder, and uh, they're going to make it the uh, the world's largest air force. Mm. Since it's a little bit, well, you know, there's a couple of I I will. I will be quiet and nice <laughs> instead of snarky and uh, yeah. Well, well and, I, and, and here you go. This is the same thing that you know we've seen several folks try to start before, and and, and I, I granted it hasn't been on a public safety sort of slant, but uh, you know that uh, that pooling of resources is something we've talked about for years. Yeah, um, I do. Okay, you know, on first blush, I do like the idea that it's professionals. I don't, you know, these other efforts where, you know, you're the digital, you know, guy thing. And, you know, you're just some dude that shows up at a search or a disaster or whatever. That was a disaster. Right, right. And I remember, you know, people were like, oh, God, these guys are so negative. But... You're just a burden, man. You're just bringing your burden show to a professional show, and it's a nice sentiment. But uh, and and you know, uh, we we talked uh, about that ad nauseum. You know, you you've been in the trenches for all these years. It's just like if you if you don't know what you're doing, uh, you're you're really just uh, creating more problems than than help. So maybe with the um, with, with, with the, uh, you know, professional first responder thing, there might be something that's a little bit different. I know things are getting advanced, and, you know, there's all kinds of different programs where you're looking in buckets and whatever else, which, you know, um, things are progressing. I, I don't know. What, what's your first blush on the deal? Well, you know, like you said, I don't think a lot of folks recognize what it takes to go out and actually perform on a search team on a SAR team, right? And, it, and if they go out there and they try to do it on their own and they haven't had proper training, uh, I don't think people are aware of what the mental and emotional toll is when you're dealing with someone or a family or a group of people who have lost a loved one. And if you're not prepared for that sort of thing, it's it's a uh, it's a lesson in PTSD because yeah. you can get you know you can get pulled into some stuff that you really shouldn't be in, involved in, and you know it's unfortunate because people who have lost loved ones, you know, they're grasping at straws, they're grasping at anything that that might you know help return their loved one home, so they will grab a hold of you like a drowning person and. You know, you're the, the, the life vest. So, you know, that's that's my thought on the whole deal. At least, you know, with the public safety folks, they're committed to they know what what the deal is. They they know that it could be ugly and uh, that it's gonna have to be something that they they will deal with and they have dealt with and have the training to do so. So that's my thought on it and, and you know, I hope it goes well. I hope it goes okay. Uh but um you know, again, some some of the the best laid plans as we've seen over the last fifteen years. Yes, the mice and men go awry. Well, yeah, we'll see what happens. With you know, a lot of these we see these new uh, 
you know, efforts and associations and, and, and whatever fire up. And it's all shiny and new, and, you know, people jump on that, the bandwagon and go for it. So we'll see what happens. But like I said, I'm a little bit more encouraged. I, I, you know, there are other efforts going on. I know for people, you know, they went down to the Best Buy thing, they bought the drone, and they, they think they're just tearing up the world, which is, you know, that's fine. But it's like... Uh, God, I can't even remember that. It was a song. Oh, Johnny Thunders. You know, I forgot more than you. I already forgot more than you know or whatever, you know. <laughs> One of those things with, uh, you know, doing this is it's like you think you're burning up this guy. It's like anything else, you know. You you get into anything and you think you're like an expert on something after there's that plateau you hit in a few months. Oh, you know, I know everything about this. And then, you know, turns out you really don't know much and uh, you're creating more problems than uh, what you're completing, but you know, whatever, man, I, I think that's one other thing here that we've uh, seen over the years. The other one is, is people, uh, you know, complaining about, you know, fighting with people about the regulatory side of this thing. And is this an airman, you know, you know, uh, airman certificate for one or for commercial use and yada, yada. And can you do this? And I can do that because I'm an amateur and, Johnny, come lately at the FAA told me I was a superstar, and I don't need, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've been doing that since the RC group days in the early 2000s. And uh, it's funny how people get so, like, uh, huffy-puffy about that. Look, I was talking to this idiot on the Internet. You know, it's like, well, there's lots of idiots on the Internet. So you're going to be busy, okay, if you get into that one. I learned that one a long time ago. Um, and, you know, it kind of brings us right to today's show, because, um, and I don't know if you saw that. I, we I, have a celebrity? I, we have a we do have celebrity. celebrity? We do, we do. But before I want, before we get him on here, I want to, you know, okay, so I, I know you're going to remember this band, but it just it dawned on me. I got Sirius uh, XM in the truck, and I'm looking, listening to the Bakersfield beat. And uh, the lo and behold, you know, Graham Parsons and, and the Flying Burrito Brothers. You remember them, Gene? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know, Drone Delivery's got its own band and theme song, Hot Burrito, number one, you know. So here we are. I forgot all about those guys. But uh, so, and, and I knew you had all their albums because that's just how you roll. But uh, you were you were so forced. Uh, it had so much foresight on this drone delivery thing that you were buying the Flying Burrito Brothers album. I know it. I can tell. I can feel it. But um, you know, so that brings us forward to this drone delivery thing, which you know a lot of people. Oh, oh, ah, me. You know, we're going to do this and that and everything else, and there were regulatory hurdles to get there. And I think we're going to we're going to hear about some of the trials and tribulations of, of drone delivery with today's guest, uh, Mr. Gus Calderon, who's director of operations at Drone Express. I know we we need a band. We need a house. Yeah, party. I know. Fanfare, the whole nine yards. And for everybody, you know, we're not giving Gus a hard time. Gus is a friend of the show and a friend, personal friend of both of us for a very long time. So we can we rightfully can give this guy a hard time. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I don't know if that's a, a curse or a blessing, Gus. How, how's it going today? How are you, sir? It's it's going well. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Good to talk to you too, Gene. Well, you lucky. This isn't your first time on the program, you lucky guy, you. Um, that is true. It's been about but, seven years, though, I think. 
seven or eight years. <laughs> I know, it just blows me away when uh, we talk about that. How long have we been doing this podcast? It's been a long time. So, um, but, you know, so we know who you are. And, you know, it's kind of, I talk about this uh, every week, how this, uh, this industry is very cyclical. And people come in and they're like, oh, my God, did you see this? And, oh, holy mackerel, this is new. And this is the first time the guy at Best Buy said that, uh, you know, first time he's seen this happen, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so for the benefit of the listening audience, those that, uh, the hardcore that haven't hung in there for the last seven, eight, whatever years, could you please uh, give us a little bio about yourself, Gus? You know, hitting the high points of your uh, illustrious career um, and, you know, how you, how you, uh, I mean, I don't know what to call that now, but okay, well, how you got into the uh, small UAS uh, ecosystem? Well, Patrick, that's a long story. I don't think we have enough time, but I'll try and uh, <laughs> I know, I know, recap I that. I know. <laughs> well, I, I honestly did start building model airplanes when I was a kid in the late 1970s. Uh, when we would get a, a box of balsa wood and a set of plans, uh, I was pretty determined uh, to to do that. I only had a two-channel radio, which made it even more challenging. Uh, but after numerous uh, builds and crashes, I eventually did get one in the air for about 30 seconds, uh, even though I can only control the rudder and the uh, elevator. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, you know, always been interested in that, got interested in aviation, became a commercial pilot, got licenses and ratings uh, in the mid-'90s, and uh, flew professionally. I started my own Part 135 air charter operation here in San Diego. Uh, did that for a couple of years. Flew corporate, flew some King Airs, got type rated in a Raytheon Premier Jet. All this kind of fun stuff. And I always also had an interest in photography. And, you know, since I liked model airplanes so much before what people call drones or multi-rotors even existed, um, you know, when Gene was playing with this stuff too, I was strapping Sony digital cameras to the side of a RC model airplane trying to get photos, right, for some real estate agents who are like us. We, you know, we love the aerial photography, but your plane is so expensive. <laughs> yeah, sorry, it is. Uh, so anyway, it just seemed to me that there was a lot of potential there, but the technology was, was not there. And then along came multi-rotors, got involved in those from the very beginning, uh, like 09, 2010, realized, okay, now we have a stable platform for a camera, um, did a lot of development, um, got lucky, got in, got to participate in the Lady Gaga, Volantis Project, which is what we talked about last time I was on your show. Um, and then, um, you know, along, finally the FAA started, you know, coming up with some regulations and uh, rules and some guidance that came out with the 333 exemptions you guys know well. And it was kind of interesting because it required a lot of uh, documentation. And since I had done the Part 135 um, route in manned aviation, I had to write my own operating manuals for that, my own compliance statements, et cetera. So I thought, well, gosh, if I could do that for a manned aircraft, I should be able to do that for a little drone. So I started airspace consulting around, what, 2015 or so. Picked up some clients, and the word got around. And because, you know, I had done a lot of technical writing and, and after college, uh, seemed to do well with that and got some interesting gigs. Uh, did some also uh, work for Cabazon Group for a while. They had a lot of... Um, they wanted to test unmanned aircraft for emergency response. Um, and they had a huge budget. They were a national contractor, and they just literally sent me, I don't even know how many drones, fixed-wing, rotary uh, for testing. And so this is, you know, great experience. And I've always liked just tinkering on my own. And then uh, a little over a year ago, uh, I got a call 
and you know, you guys know I'm not active on social media. I mean, I have a LinkedIn profile, which I might have updated about five years ago, um, and I have a couple YouTube accounts. But I got a call from um, the vice president of Telegrid on the East Coast, and uh, she said, uh, we're looking for a technical writer. We, get, we got into this new FAA-type certification program, and we need somebody to help write, somebody with an aviation background to write the documents. And I said, well, you called the right person. I, I'm, <laughs> first of all, I would love to do that. Uh, she hired me on the spot, didn't even ask my rate. Um, and, That's uh, a good it was right just, there. <laughs> but what was interesting was that she told me that it is very hard to find somebody who has kind of aviation experience and does technical writing for the drone industry. And I've been trying to tell people about this for a long time, and, and of course nobody listens to me, but that's fine. <laughs> you know how much potential there, there is. If you want to get everybody to go, I just want to fly drones. Well, okay, so does everybody. But what skills are you bringing to the table other than that, which, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, anybody can fly. I mean, well, they're all, pro- I mean, I don't even want to say, you, you guys, a trained monkey can press a button and, and, you know, fly an autonomous mapping mission now, practically. Uh, so what else are you bringing to the table? Anyway, that's kind of how I got into it. And, where I'm at. Uh, you're, you're killing me over here. Um, <laughs> Sorry. You know, I'm thinking about that. Hey, you know, I like bananas just like the next guy. Um, yeah, I like those uh, those job offers where it's like, hey, man, do you, you do what you do, and that's what we want you to do. I can do that. You know, that's yeah. good. So that's a, that's a good one. So, but, you know, I, so I was laughing through that because, um, again, uh, the irony around here. I have my own irony Ginsu knife, you know, cut through that. But, uh, you know, I remember, and, and I want to go back and talk about this, too, because uh, I know you've been working on this, let's say, I don't want to just say drone delivery because everybody in there, you know, oh, you know, somebody, I give somebody some toothpaste and a bag of chips, which to me is just kind of, it's like, man, I mean, you know, I could walk the bag of potato chips over there, you know, (laughs) probably in the same time you get the drone over there, say hi to the guy, you know, pet the dog, whatever, you know, so. Uh, I remember what you know, you, and you, you probably recall this too. And I remember, you know, somebody hatched the idea. What you guys really want to do is go part 135. And you had a lot of these, uh, the drone experts that are not very experty. Nobody really knows about aviation or whatever. And they're like, yeah, yeah, let's do part 135. And you know what else? We're gonna, we're gonna let's do some type certification. And I'm like, you know, you, you guys are going down. You're going down the rabbit hole. Like, do you really do you know what any of this means? If you're like DO one seven eight certification and all the other, you know, I mean, you're, you're talking about reams and reams and reams of rules and, and certifications and, and tons of money and testing and you know, no, 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 no. They, it, all right, over there, do you have a, the guy said it's going to be easy. Yeah, we're, we're, what we'll do is we'll just do the paperwork and and you know we're going to get some exemptions and it's going to be easy peasy. Let's say you to that, uh, guys. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. This is the, I mean, this is the most challenging experience of my life. And honestly, I'm honored to be a part of this. Uh, and there's no guarantee we could make it through this, too. I mean, this is, there's, you know, this is something that is and, – and a lot of it is – I'm not an engineer. Well, that's a scientific background, and I've been tinkering and aviation background. But – you know, we have a team of people 
and, and you know, on the manufacturing side, engineering, we've got a mechanical engineer, electrical engineers. I mean, it, it is just a huge undertaking. I mean, it's basically the type certification is what we're going. We're going for several certifications, honestly, you know, in this program that was started last year. I mean, it's not just one. I mean, it's multiple, actually. Uh, so I think we're going for at least three or four certifications. You know, why stop there? Uh, but I think it was 46 applicants who all came from the ITP. Um, right. And I believe we were the last applicant in the program. We got in February of 2020. Um, and there are, you guys probably saw the press release from the FAA, they're, they're 10 right now. So that's, you know, that's a pretty significant number of companies that have lost out. And from what I've heard, I'm pretty sure I could say this, but from what I've heard, um, there have been one of the reasons why uh, there have been so many companies that didn't make it is because they couldn't handle or keep up with the documentation. And, and we're not just talking. I mean, I'm writing, I could say, it, I'm writing the Unmanned Aircraft Flight Manual, the UFM which is basically the same as a POH that you would find in any manned aircraft. But we're writing it to FAA standard. I mean, I've written these before for Section 333 exemptions. Our clients want them. They're like, well, this manual we get from this drone made overseas is, you know, can't even understand it. Uh, can you sell it? And they, were like, and they go, oh, this is great. Thank you. Well, I submitted my first draft in, and I did not hear this is great. <laughs> I got about 100 lines of red ink oh, constructive God. criticism. But I was like, wow, okay, um, <laughs> I'll be working on this for like a month or so, and then I'll submit it again, and then here we go again, right? Uh, but it's been an incredible learning experience. And this is just one of the multitude, like dozen of documents, and there's stuff that I cannot even do. I mean, they want engineering documents like MDL, uh, Master Drawing List, where you have literally every nut and bolt every component has to have a CAD drawing and it has to be like organized into exploded. I mean, this is no easy task. And I didn't know, look, I, I, I've been on the operational side of aviation, right? My whole life. I've never, I've never worked for an aircraft manufacturer. I'm not a manufacturing engineer. So I'm learning this and I'm thinking, wow. Okay. Um, so, you know, people, I'm sure nobody else knew this either. So they come in with their super complicated drones with thousands of parts and guess what? That's going to be hard <laughs> to make all the drawings and all the documentation. And then, you know, quality manuals. And it is it's the same process that Boeing has to go through and these other aircraft manufacturers. Now, they're streamlining it. Some parts don't apply. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's going to take a huge team of people, a lot of expertise in engineering, manufacturing, aviation, technical writing, and so on, uh, to, if you want to get through this process. I mean, just contact an aircraft manufacturer and ask them how they do it if you, uh, and how big are their teams. Uh, so this is huge. And, and, but it, I am excited that the FAA is doing this. I really am. This will undoubtedly make the aircraft that come through this will definitely be more reliable and safer than anything that does not come through this program. And that is a fact. That is an absolute fact. And these are, the, you know, to go beyond line of sight or go beyond what Part 107 currently states. Um, you're gonna, you're gonna need that, you know, to, well, to in the future to have to have it be safe in the national airspace system. Well, and you know, where there's there is a ton to unpack there because I think the one other thing you didn't add is the uh, big sack of money. 
that all of this is, is going to cost. All of these professional services that you listed uh, rarely come cheap. And there's a reason for that. And it's called uh, liability, you know. And I don't think that uh, there's another, you know, we had this argument with uh, the droners for years about insurance. What do I need insurance for? Do you like your stuff, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, if you like your stuff, I always used to say that, too. You know, maybe, you know, your wife's cooler than mine, but, you know, when the sheriff is at the door seizing all my stuff, I'm going to have marital strife. You know, you may not. I don't know. You know, but uh, so the insurance might be worth it. So, you know, there's the there's the liability. uh, I'd say the long tail of liability. And and, 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 I mean, we don't even have to get down because that could be a whole nother show and how that works. Yeah when aircraft fail and why they failed the investigation, all the rest of that. But, you know, I feel like um, the guy at Best Buy didn't really fill me in on everything that's going to be required. Uh, for this. I'll have to go talk to the manager. And I want to do that. I want to go to Best Buy and set up a table and do like a, a live video from Best Buy in the drone aisle one day, you know, interview experts, you know, it's going to be good. I, I, I want to do that. I'll take time, but, um, <clears throat> So, you know, you're going through this process, and it's been taking a while, and, the, you know, and, and a, the news story came out that you guys are working with uh, Kroger, which is just a big name, um, and I know, I'm sure, you know, uh, and it's been my experience that big companies like to cross the T's, dot the I's, you know, they're adverse to risk, they want to do most things by the book, yada, yada, yada. What, so, you know, what has it been like working in the corporate world are are you having to like you know convince people or you just say hey man this is how it's done and this is how we're doing it and this is what they want or you know what maybe you could give us a little like you know what it's like well sure actually um luckily i'm i call myself i know i have a fancy title or whatever i i just call myself the drone guy right because (laughs) I'm pretty much focused on developing the drone, doing technical writing. I, I split my day in half. In the morning, I'm working on technical writing or research. Uh, and then the afternoon, we have a new uh, facility here. Well, Telegrid um, has a new division called Drone Express, which you mentioned. And we opened an office here in February uh, after we had partnered with um, Kroger. And so we have a shop over there, and it looks kind of like Gene Shop. It's got, you know, we actually have a CNC machine in there now and drill press and all this kind of stuff and workspace. So we're working on, you know, on the drone. And uh, so that's kind of what I do. But uh, the VP of Telegrid, who is, um, I believe she's now the CTO um, of Drone Express, she handles all that, Beth Lippo. Um, she's been mentioned in the, in the press releases. And I, she's the one who reached out to me initially. Uh, she has been fantastic to work with. But she's been, uh, I believe, pursuing this relationship with Kroger for probably years for a long time and it you know came to fruition a little while ago and then they had to whatever they do i don't i'm not involved in any of that i don't know what they do uh, internally uh that's a huge company and i've been on meetings that i've met everybody and everybody's been really nice and friendly and they're all excited about it um setting up the use case and all this kind of stuff um so i don't have too much interaction there but i do with certain people when you know regarding the use case um and other things that we do well, and, and so are people, uh, I mean, are, you know, you like, hey, we need to do this, and you see, like, the eyes glaze over, everybody's like, looks good, sounds good, you you know, keep up the good work, uh, let's march forward, you know, or were they like, yeah. oh, my God, we never knew it would be like this? Um, 
I mean, I think just like anywhere else, you know, in, in the country or the world, there's not a lot of people understand uh, aviation regulations or even one specific to drones, uh, what we can and cannot do, what the aircraft can, can and can, cannot do. So um, I think we, you know, I sometimes have to explain in my experience, you know, okay, no, we really can't do that or there's regulations prohibiting that or but we can do this. So there's some of that interaction, definitely explaining to people uh, what we can and cannot do. Hmm. Well, you know, that's interesting. Uh, Gene, did you? Uh, I know Gene. I can hear Gene over there taking notes. <laughs> drill Wait, press. You know, Got to we go out and get a drill press. Now, now I thought we were going to have to reel the boy in, man, because after P O H, all them other acronyms out there were starting to lose me for a minute, but. Uh, <laughs> Luckily, there he started talking English there toward the end, and we could understand what was going on. But yes, I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, we're both pilots, you know. So when he said POH, I kind of got a snicker there myself. But uh, yeah, the regulatory side of it, yes, you know, I don't see how you do it, to be honest with you, because that is just so tedious and so boring. How do you do that, man? <laughs> Oh, and I'm still at just the beginning of this. I mean, we'll st- we're still uh, working on the, on the type certification, right? And then we have to get into the you know durability and reliability testing, the DNR testing, which is part of the type certification, uh, flying 1,100 hours, right, without crashing. Uh, and then we are going to be working on our Part 135. Okay, I can do the 1,100 hours of flying part of it. That's not an issue for me. Yeah. <laughs> And especially if you need a pilot, I like uh, I never crash there. All uh, aborted takeoffs and unscheduled <laughs> landings. Guys. So if you there need you somebody go. to come in and fly that 1,100 hours crash free, I'm your guy. <laughs> no, I completely. But no, you know, I get your point, and and believe me, um, you know, again, I said, I'm, you know, you're more familiar probably too with the operational side of aviation, uh, I'm dealing with, you know, we're dealing with a completely different branch. And, and so there's a whole new set of acronyms, which I've been trying to avoid because I barely even know them myself. But I mean, you, you know, you're familiar with flight standards and the FISDO, all the kind of stuff. We're not dealing with them. You know, this is not, our application is not being approved at a FISDO. We're going through an ACO. So, right, aircraft certification oh, yeah. office, oh, yeah. right? So an yeah, ACO, yeah. and the main one for UAS is up in Los Angeles. And we also deal with people in the AED, which I had no idea even what that was, and that's the aircraft evaluation. <laughs> I don't even know, division, or I honestly don't even know, but these guys are great. And uh, I mean, I have been on calls with them, and they've been giving me, you know, because I work on these manuals. Um, but, yeah, there's a whole – and believe me, the manufacturing – because they're building, you know, the, the main corporate headquarters for Drone Express is in Ohio, um, and uh, their their team over there. Now, Telegrid, you have to understand, they're a defense contractor, right? So not not a large one, but they've built communication equipment for the military since, like, 1984. Uh, great people, family-owned business. It's actually a woman-owned small business. Um, and so they've dealt with the military for decades, right, and similar type of experience, where you're dealing with the government with a lot of regulations. So they're used to it. They know how hard it is, and they've done it before. And I think that's a huge advantage, and I know that's a huge advantage, because I don't believe any of the other non-applicants are have that kind of defense contracting experience, to my knowledge. I'm not, I don't really know. I don't really pay attention to what other people are doing. Uh, 
Um, but but that is that is huge um, because it's it's overwhelming. And if you're not familiar with it, uh, I couldn't do. It. I mean, I, I the quality manuals and all this, uh, you know, yeah. the, everything I mean, ATPs, uh, ATPs, and it's not a, a transport pilot. It's acceptance. Some acronyms which are the same that we use on the operational side. They have ATPs, acceptance test procedures. So any component that we take in to, to do the assembly has to be tested in a certain manner, and we have to have procedures for I mean, it is. It's like manufacturing and up yeah. both manned aircraft. It's the same thing. The, it's, you had the you right know. acronym in there when you said AED, and that's the Automated External Defibrillator, because, <laughs> good Lord, you'd have to have something to start your heart after that, all that. <laughs> I know it's a lot, Gene. I can barely keep up with that side. So, like, look, I'm just a drone guy here, just trying to work on the drone. It is a lot. It is a lot. But I now, mean, and it, you know, go ahead. Go well, ahead. I want to talk about this test certification because this is another, yeah. you know, uh, people gloss over. You know, yeah. it, and and it's one of those things. It's like. You know, let, let's talk about technology just real quick. Because, you know, like, let's say the, the 172, okay, been around for a long time. Design's yeah. pretty much the same. You know? Correct. The power plant, I mean, they've been working on a, uh, you know, unleaded fuel solution for the line motor for mm-hmm. I, 25 years right. or whatever. Um, and it's not because we haven't made great strides in technology because everything else is the technology is great. Um, and it's a certification issue. So I think the other thing with the drone thing is like people are like, oh, you know, drones and it's the technology is very fluid and it's coming and going. You know, what is what, maybe for, you know, the benefit of the, the audience and, and those in uninitiated, I mean, that type certification, anytime there's a change, I mean, the stuff that you're talking about, you're going to have to go back through and certify whatever these changes are. Is that correct? So it's like, like a snatch, snapshot in time or something, right? That's exactly right. And this is a huge problem for people in the drone industry, other manufacturers coming in wanting to do this because they're constantly upgrading, you know, new equipments coming out, new components every day. Um, and that's not allowed. So let me, let me read actually the definition of type certification. Uh, and all this could be found, you know, you know, some drone pilots are familiar with part 107. They might've maybe heard of 135 or 91, but if, if they're interested, they want more information, go to part 21 uh, and it'll talk about the three separate types of certification, but type certification is the approval of the design of the aircraft and all of the component parts. That's it. Oh. So yeah, they have to, the FAA has to, I know. So, I mean, the FAA has to ensure that all, you know, that this design is in compliance with all the airworthiness standards. And so that's what they do. So we literally, once it is approved, if once we get to that point, of type certification, we cannot even do firmware updates. I mean, and that's how it is in the military. This is why Telegrid is, you know, they're used to this. Um, so that 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 right there um, is going to cause a lot of uh, heartache and challenges for a lot of people who think that they can constantly improve this. Uh, they, they can't. Right. Well, and I want to hit on another, you know, note a while ago, 10, 10 minutes ago or whatever you're we talking about, you know, flying beyond visual line of sight. And, you know, I, as I feel like the, the prairie dog out on the end of prairie dog town that sees the, you know, predator come in and I'm out there squawking, you know, and people are like, oh, 
you know, as soon as we have remote ID, we're going to be flying over people and flying beyond visual line of sight. It'll be, you know, it's going to, the stars are going to align and it's going to be great and all the problems will be solved and yada, yada. And I've said since like day one, man, I, I, I just can't see full integration into the NAS until you have certified autopilot software, until you have a, you know, tested and certified on board, uh, detect and avoid system, see and avoid, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it. It's gone through several nomenclature changes. I just don't see the man community buying in on this. Um, you know, and then even the UDM thing, I think there's a giant donut hole in the middle there that, you know, okay, you got a conceptual idea. Um, you know, we all want to fly under 400 feet and we have the AAM or UAM in there and they're all going to be flying around and it's just going to be like this uh, cavalcade of aircraft uh, with non-certified equipment. I, I just, I, I don't believe that. I, you know, am I all wet here? Or what do you think? You are correct. Not to that's not going to happen. Period. They can yeah. think that all that they want, but from what I understand, you're not going to be able to fly. We're not going to be able to fly beyond line of sight without type certification. So not just the autopilot, the entire aircraft, all of its systems and components will be approved by the FAA in order for it to eventually go beyond line of sight. So I mean, this is a very very long road. I think that's another thing, a common misconception that people have. Like they think, you know, okay, we're just going to start doing drone, you know beyond line of sight or, or even line of sight immediately. Uh, no, that, that's, it's, you know, you have to really crawl before you can walk, before you can run. So how long will this take? Nobody knows. Um, the FAA is learning this as we are. We're learning it together, honestly. They're, they're pretty yeah, open yeah, about see, that. So like, we've never type certified a drone before. We're figuring it out, as, and you guys haven't either. So let's figure it out together. Uh, I mean, I will tell you, the back and forth has been fantastic. Uh, it's been a great experience. Um, really, I, I can't tell you. So, but there's a lot that needs to be figured out on, on both sides well, Patrick, before any of this can happen. I, I, this, we're talking to an expert. This is really, as far as I'm concerned, this is the expert from the regulatory and, and, and aviation standpoint right here, right now. And as you always like to say, this is gold. I mean, Gus, you're – your depth and breadth of experience and what you've learned so far, and and you admit you're still learning, that's the mark of a true expert. Well, yeah, thanks. I mean, I I feel like I'm barely, you know, scratching the, the tip of the iceberg here. It's so – and most of this I will never have a full understanding because I'm not a manufacturing engineer. I mean, I don't even get involved in – the other certificate, which is a production certificate, to be able to get one <clears throat> approved, then you have to get production certificate to manufacture the duplicate, you know, to duplicate that aircraft. That is way out of my league. Yeah, uh, but well, I do understand the regulatory. And I think my 135 experience has helped me understand this a lot, too. Yeah, I think yeah. even pilots who don't have the 135, I've talked to them, they don't really understand. They say, well, well I looked at 107. You, you can do charter or you could do cargo delivery. No, you actually you, you can't. Um, because my understanding of the way it's explained to me, I mean, you have to, you're, you, you know, to do that, you have to hold out to the public. That's kind of like the defining line right there. You have to hold out to the public. And, and so, you know, that's a whole other certification, which also I will tell you, which is kind of neat. Uh, oh, let me just tell you one other thing. When I first heard about what, you know, they were going to start requiring Part 135 for drone delivery, I, like, what was it, like a year, year and a half ago, I was delighted. 
I, I really was, and I was probably one of the few people in the country. Most were probably just screaming up and down or saying, what is that? Or that's too hard. I thought that's great because that makes complete sense. And it's an established set of regulations that's been around for decades. Yes, that makes sense. And then, well, also because I have experience doing it, but I, I believe um, when I'm told, cause we have had a couple of preliminary meetings with some of the 135 people. We haven't started, we're not there yet, but uh, I, I think I'm one of the only ones that has part 135 experience. Um, and they told me that that will make it easier for us and then for them because I speak that language. That I'm, I'm actually, I can't wait to get to that part, believe it or not, Gene, because I'm, you know, I speak the same language as the operational folks. Um, the engineering and the design, I, I, there are a lot of terms that I just do not understand. I'm just trying to get through it, to be perfectly honest. Well, look at this guy. Humility and the patience of Job. Um, yeah, that's a grand package, guys. <laughs> so, you know, I, and, and you know what I feel like? Even this, we're going to have to do another one of these in, in, in a few months or something because, I, you know, I feel, I feel like we're like around the, the, let's say, entrance of the rabbit hole and you're shining a flashlight down there. Um, I, I, I mean, you know, like you just said, oh, we got the production certificate and everything else. I mean, there is so much to this. Yeah. And, and I yeah. have, uh, you know, for, for those of you folks, listeners who, who haven't purchased the FAR AIM book, you probably want to. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, well, I'm reading through, you know, part 107 here, and it's pretty, you know, straightforward, blah, blah, blah. Well, you may want to, if you for light reading, insomniacs, uh, people that need a doorstop, and uh, other folks, pick one up, give it a peruse. I mean, you know, when I was on the uh, small UAS arc, I remember, um, you know, I, I don't want to out anyone by name, but it was like, you know, trust us. <laughs> you know, trust the FAA. And I said, uh, uh I own a copy of that far A book, and I I don't trust as you guys as far as I can see it, okay? Because uh, <laughs> that thing is a, an amalgamation of uh, oh my god! I mean, and you're really involved in this, and and I I you know I don't I don't even I don't even want to call it I don't even know what to call it because I know that a lot of the rules are you know let's say written in a lot of people say like you know blood or accidents or whatever, but I mean it just. It is mind-boggling, some of the regulations. And when, when you're talking, you know, like the 121 and the 135 and all the rest of that, I mean, they, they got, they've got that stuff buttoned down. They do. They do. And th- we have to comply with that. And I'll just share one, one other thing quickly. The way that it works in 130, what I had to do when I applied for a 135 certificate, it was single pilot, you know, back in the day, almost 20 years ago. They told me I had my the first manual I had to write. They actually called it a compliance statement. So they told me to go home and write a manual, write a compliance statement on how I was going to comply with every single regulation under Part 135. There are hundreds of them, hundreds. So I went by and they said, "Do not." At the time, this was early internet days, like around 99, 2000. We know that there are some manuals out there. We know what they are and who wrote them. Don't you even think about. Don't you even think about copying another manual and submitting that. We need to know that you understand this yourself. I said, yes, sir. And it took me over three months of working on it every single day. I mean, that's just, but you know what? I I learned a lot and I wrote the manual and I submitted it to the FAA. um, And it, it 
got approved, um, surprisingly. But now, uh, that's, that's what, they, it's a very time-consuming endeavor. Well, we're going to run out of time, and the live show will yeah. go off, and I think we're going to run a little bit long because I just I have a question for you. So, okay, <clears throat> you know, there's the Mill Standard 3001 manual on writing a, a manual for aircraft. And, you know, so uh, some of the standards work with ASTM and whatnot. They were like, yeah, well, you know, we can use this. And I think it's 350 pages or whatever. And then there's a manual on how to use the manual, which is like another 150 pages. (laughs) And I remember in the the standards group going, you know, I mean, I don't know where I'm going to, you know, in the garage where I'm going to fit the manual writing team uh, because, you know, I'm going to have the QA and the QC team, and then I got the manufacturing team and all the rest of this is going to be difficult for me to do. Does the FAA have a manual on how to write a manual, or are you just like you go out there and you use, let's say, the basis of your knowledge to write this manual, or, you know, how does it work? It's a good question. They do uh, – now, what they've told me clearly is they, they obviously can't tell us how to write these manuals. They're not allowed to do that, um, <laughs> unfortunately. Okay. Uh, but there is guidance. There are some standards out there, like for the aircraft, for the UFM, for the Unmanned Aircraft Flight Manual – um, you know, there are, well, actually ASTM has, uh, has a standard, which I followed initially because that we were told that was an option that got rejected. They didn't like that. Uh, and then, and then gamma, the general aviation manufacturing association has gamma spec number one. That's what most of the manual, the POH is, you know, for the aircraft are written by. So there is, and that that's huge, hundreds of pages. So there, there's guidance there. And then the FAA also has guidance as well. They have, they've written some different orders, which are incredibly lengthy, um, and, and guidance there as well. So I'm using, you know, other standards and then my experience and looking at other manuals as well. Um, but this is not easy. The, I'll say this one last thing. I'm told that I am, we're the only applicant that has just one person working on the UFM. Uh, all the other applicants have a team of people. So <laughs> um, I'm on my own here on this one. Well, it might be you know, easier, you know, um, and then, you know, even, you that, know, uh, the, yeah, that, that, yeah, is I mean, that is probably uh, teamwork makes the dream work, but sometimes something like this, you know, it's like, well, you know, we try this and there's, there's less points of failure. And then, you know, the one other uh, drum I wanted to bang on is it, it's interesting that the uh, ASTM thing got rejected and <clears throat> it's not, I would say for lack, I, it really, the standards thing. I, I, I don't know. I really, uh, after all of the work that's been done in the different standards groups all around the world and, you know, the, the, the lack of adoption of standards by the uh, FAA is just, is just you know, and I'm, not, I'm not looking for anyone to comment on as much of this. It's kind of a monologue thing where it's just, it's really disappointing. It's so much work, millions and millions of dollars worth of, of man hours gone, man and woman person hours gone into this. So interesting. Um, you know, like I said, yeah. we, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, I, I gave up. I, uh, I, I just, I couldn't afford to uh, participate anymore. But I, um, I think we just scratched the surface. Like I said, I feel like we're at the rabbit hole. Three of us are standing there. You've shined a flashlight down there, and I've, I've almost got what I've deduced out of this whole thing. Is so sure you want to look down here? Turn off your flashlight, go away. <laughs> exactly. I don't need to. I'm just going in. So um, what we're going to have to do, uh, guys, because I, I really appreciate, like Gene said, it's gold, you know, uh, people, uh, 
listen to to certain podcasts or go to certain outlets this uh this is really just a primer for people that are thinking about this and and i think what we're going to do is i I know you've been working on it and and this is uh we did hear some good news uh i think we've kind of uh like i said you shone a little light there and we've looked there and i'd like to have you back i don't know maybe next month or whatever and maybe you can delve into some of the uh some of this some of the victories what's next um and 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 i'd also and i'm not going to ask you now but i would like a if if you could some kind of candid estimate on when this drone delivery may happen and there's i know you know there's people have one to two years three to five years ten years i'm still with the air force in 2047 i don't want your answer now i want you to think about it for next time you're on here and uh we'll pick up the conversation and, and keep going if that's uh if you're open to that Definitely. Yeah. Glad to talk to you guys anytime. Well, and we enjoyed having you on. Patrick, I think we could probably give Gus his own segment every week. And he would probably uh, spoon feed us a little at a time, and it wouldn't be so intimidating. But that's just me. I don't know if I could take it because, you know, I'm going to come away from this one and I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm just going to be shaking my head. And, and again, you know, like I said, in the beginning, I gave the warning. I'm like, uh, you know, you, you have no idea what's going, where you're going on this. Oh, pish you know, okie dokie. And maybe it was a job security thing. I don't know, you know, but um, anyway. Okay. Well, that was a very informative guess and I, I appreciate your time today, sir. And like Gene my said, pleasure. it was very good having you back on. And uh, you're always welcome here. We will we'll set something up again for, for uh, I don't know, we'll see what happens, but a couple of months. And have you come on back and uh, give us some more of the good stuff. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Patrick. All Thanks right, man. You. Everyone else, we'll see you, see you next time on the uh, SUS podcast. All right. Bye-bye. See you. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye.